broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And welcome to Fearless Formula on Cherokee Radio X, where we talk about the ups and downs of the business world and offer Words of wisdom for business success. I'm your host, Sharon Klein, and our guest in the studio today is the executive director of the Children's Haven, whose mission is to promote the health and happiness of children impacted by abuse through programs that help increase their safety and improve their educational, social, and emotional functioning. I would really love to welcome to the show, Marcy Smith. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. I'm excited to talk to you today uh, because I think what you do is so important and it's not something that I think about all the time in the back of my head as I go about my day. So I'm interested to find out what drew you to being so helpful and impactful to children who uh, suffer abuse. Well, you know, I think that really stems from how I was raised. My my mother was always very adamant that volunteerism was just woven into our life. And she worked for DFACS for a while as I was growing up. So I got to learn about families who were um, engaged in the system and families who were in foster care and really opened my eyes at a very young age. And um, I went to school to study international relations. And I think I always knew I'd be in nonprofit management. And so just always were drawn to it. <laughs> I was, know? yeah. I knew that that's where I would end up. Um, my master's degree is in conflict resolution, and that's something that I use on a daily basis. But being engaged with nonprofits and volunteerism is something that has just naturally been a part of my life. And um, so being able to serve our kids who need services the most and then engage with volunteers who want to give of themselves and their time and their resources and their hearts. I think um, I love getting to see both ends of that work. It's so interesting that it was something that you felt very sort of was a natural fit for you because of the way you were raised. You know, um, I did a little bit of that with my own kids, but it wasn't something that I thought about a lot when I was growing up. It just it's kind of cool that your mom sort of made that a very um, important part of your life, a very natural part of your life. Yes, definitely. It just wasn't a question. So when I ended up in the role where I am, it just felt right. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about um, where you were before you started uh, working with Children's Haven. So my career has always been in nonprofit. Um, I started right out of school, actually volunteering with a nonprofit in American Samoa, and that um, I served as a volunteer teacher in that capacity. But really got to know the the ins and outs of a nonprofit working um, internationally. And then I spent some time as a director of a transitional housing program for homeless women and children. I also worked for a national nonprofit that raises funds for childhood cancer research. So got to learn a lot about fundraising and a lot about working um, on a bigger scale of nonprofits. But I really, really missed the community piece of it. That what drew you to Cherokee County? That's what drew me to Cherokee (laughs) County. Um, My husband and I knew that we wanted to raise our family here for a while. And so the timing was really just perfect um, where we made the move and there was a position that brought together all of the pieces that I felt really passionate about, which was serving our families and serving families in a way to build strong communities. And the Children's Haven was so community-oriented with such an incredible base of supporters who really advocated for our work. So it made it really easy for me to come in as director because there were so many people who really cared about what we were doing already. 
So I think about it from my perspective. I have such a tender heart regarding children that I wonder what it's like to be exposed to so many um, aspects of parenting and society that are kind of the darker side. What is that like for you? There's a lot of heartbreak. Um, We have 388 kids in Cherokee County who are in foster care today. And that number has grown over the years. Um, Most of them are coming into care because of substance abuse that their parents are experiencing, um, a lot of neglect because of that substance abuse. And we are seeing physical and sexual abuse as well. And it's very, um, very intense situations and a lot of brokenness and a lot of uh, crises that we're exposed to. So there is heartbreak there. But I think I find the balance And seeing the generosity from the community and people who really care and believe that they can make a difference. We have a lot of volunteers who support our kids. And to see them give of themselves so freely, knowing that one person can really make a difference. They can help change a child's story. They can impact them. And together, we can do a lot of preventative things, too, to keep families strong before they reach crisis. And so I really believe in the work we're doing. And I think, you know kind of over the years, finding a way to strike that balance where there's some peace there. It's interesting that you note just one person can make such an impact because in my mind it feels overwhelming. But can you explain to me how you could see one person sort of helping? Because I think if you think about it where I have the power, just me, to impact someone's life in such a positive way, it makes me feel like, well, then of course I want to do that. But outside of it, it feels overwhelming. Sure. So our foundation program is called CASA. It's Court Appointed Special Advocates. It's a national program. We're affiliated with National CASA and then Georgia CASA at the state level. And these volunteers go through a pretty rigorous training to learn how to advocate on behalf of kids in foster care. And our promise to them is that we ask them to take one case at a time that gives them the opportunity to fully invest in this one child or this one sibling group, which doesn't sound too overwhelming. They're really thinking about serving one family to make a difference in their lives. And the way that they make that difference, there are a lot of small small ways that add up, but they have a huge impact. The, the kid knows that there's one person in their life who's going to be consistent during a very scary time that they're in foster care. They're away from their home and their biological family, sometimes their schools and uh, their neighborhood friends, people that have been in their lives forever, everything has changed. And to have one adult who says, I'm going to be with you this entire time and I'm in your corner and I only care about you and I'm here to advocate for your best interests and the things that you care about. I think just having that connection with an adult who cares about them can really change a child's life and they hold on to that forever. It's, it's so impressive to think that there's one person out there that could have that much power to impact the whole trajectory of where someone's going in their life. I mean, it's almost humbling. Yes. Yeah. And our causes, they come from all walks of life. We have some young parents who have toddlers at home. We have retired teachers. We have people who work 40 hours a week. It's really neat to see that they have found time in their lives to add this volunteerism because they feel so strongly about it and they see the results from it. They see the successes and they see those little glimpses of hope that let them know that their work matters and it matters to this child. What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are about what you do? Um, You know, I would say really I think that we're trying hard to, to share the story 
and advocate for our parents too. And I think that a lot of times people might jump to the conclusion that the parents have made terrible mistakes and we're searching for adoptive homes for these children. But truly, our goal is always going to be reunification first if it makes sense for the family. And if the parents need some time to get back on their feet, they need to go through some substance abuse treatment to gain that sobriety. Maybe they need help with counseling and um, resources for stable employment and stable housing. And we try to look at how can we support the parents, too. And if if reunification is a possibility and that's a, a safe home that the child can go back to, then we really want to try to encourage that. We want to build strong families and not look at ripping families apart. And so I think that that's a part of our story that we're trying to do a better job of telling that we want to support our families when that is an option. So it's not just let me let us take these kids away from you and let me find someone to be a surrogate parent for these children. It's really the goal is to keep families together. Absolutely. We also started a new program this year to help with some prevention efforts. We felt like there could be some times where foster care could be unnecessary and we could prevent it if the families had resources in their homes. And these families would be families who um, are at risk of foster care involvement, but they truly just need resources. The kids are in a loving and safe place, but the parents need help. They might need parent education. They might need um, some coaching to get them into stable employment. And so seeing that program really take off, we've supported 30 families in the first year of operation. We have a staff member going into their homes every single week. And it's really incredible because these families really just needed help to get through a crisis, to get through a rough time, and they may not have a network of support to help lift them up. And so we're trying to build that network of support to keep kids with their families when that is a possibility. I was reading um, a statistic about, uh, it's from the American Journal of Emergency Medicine, that domestic violence cases increased by almost, what, 30-some-odd percent during the pandemic. What was that like for you? Did you see that same statistic we did we we did in Cherokee um I mean very terrifying you know part part of that was also looking at the timing of the pandemic and all of a sudden all of our children were at home and the majority of reports of abuse and neglect come from our mandated reporters who are our teachers in schools so all of a sudden I didn't think about that yeah and all of a sudden all the kids were at home and nobody was seeing them there were no eyes on kids and it got very quiet for a while. And we knew it didn't mean that abuse and neglect weren't happening. It just meant that our people who were always reporting it weren't getting to see it. That's so fascinating. Like mm-hmm. who would have really, you wouldn't have been able to point that out, how important that that notion was without having this um, you know, separation between teachers and children. And who would have thought that that is like their number one advocate right there? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, the, the numbers of domestic violence cases that rose and we had um, higher numbers of babies who were being born um, addicted to substances and babies who were being seen at the hospital because of broken bones. It really reflected a lot of the stress and trauma that families have been under and a new layer of financial stress and trauma and then a new layer of mental health trauma resulting from the pandemic. And um, really, you know, I think our service providers have bonded together to serve families the best we can, but definitely very challenging times. Would you say that's the most, what is the most challenging part of, of what you do? I mean, I would imagine there are different aspects of it because it all is so emotional. I'm, I'm just picturing myself. I always think the world is a reflection of me, right? So even though I know it's not true, but I imagine what it would be like to see, 
you've got an emotional side to yourself. You've got um, like a physical side to yourself because there's a stress in your body that you absorb. And so I'm wondering, what are the what is the most challenging part? Is it volu- trying to um, have the correct kind of volunteer or consistency? I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine yeah. my life there. You know, I think it's 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 really challenging to have patience. Patience with a broken system, as we often refer to it. Oh. Patience with our volunteers who are, are very passionate, and we want to see, you know, we can see this child needs this and this and this. And knowing that the obstacles to overcome, like um, treating their mental health needs and going through therapy and a family who's trying to overcome substance abuse by going to treatment, those things all really take time. And so our our goal for CASA in particular is that a child doesn't stay in foster care any longer than necessary, that we're always advocating for permanency, whether that is a permanent placement um, of reunification back with their biological family, a guardianship or an adoption our volunteers are going to keep trying to move things along, knowing that it takes a long time, but if they can stick with it and keep moving things along so that we don't feel like any child is forgotten or that they fall through the cracks of the system, I think um, having that patience can be really challenging, but it's so important because we do get to see those happy endings and we get to see those stories and look back at how far somebody has come when we saw so much brokenness and so much trauma, but really seeing that we can celebrate a high school graduation and we can celebrate um, – Different obs- uh, different milestones in somebody's life is really special. Do you think people don't really um, consider just how important your um, program is? I'm thinking about how I go about le- my daily life, and I just assume everyone's life is like mine. And I know it's not true, but unless you're really exposed to it, you don't really kind of understand all of the dynamics. And so I, I think what would I want to say to someone who really doesn't have like their finger on the pulse of, of what your daily life is like? Yeah. You know, I think we don't know what we don't know. And what I've seen in my role has been so inspiring because we have such a, a caring and giving community. And when people find out about the work that we do, they're drawn to at least one part of our mission. And that might be that they're bringing in, um, clothing items for our clothing closet. It might be that they are signing up to volunteer as a mentor or CASA volunteer. Um, It could just mean that they're coming for a work day and they're going to pull weeds in our playground. But to me, it's really cool to see how people, when you, when you know, when you understand and when you hear about these things, um, I, I feel a lot of times people will say, well, if not me, then who? And they get pulled in and they find little ways that they can help make a difference. And our community has just been outstanding at that. What is your biggest need right now? Do you have a biggest need? Or is it everything? Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Um, yeah, really. So, yeah, I mean, and we always need people. We always need volunteers to fit in different ways, and that looks different for every person. But we have volunteer opportunities for kids. Uh, we have families who will come and help sort donations in our clothing closet. We have people who will commit to mentoring, and our mentoring program is just once a month. And we're serving uh, middle school kids, and it's really been a lot of fun. We have people who are ready in their lives to take on the role of a CASA volunteer. Um, being a nonprofit, we are supported by donations from this community. So that's incredibly important to our board of directors that we're really transparent on how we're spending those funds. And we've been very um, adamant about obtaining the highest level of transparency, and we've gotten the highest ratings from charity watchdog organizations. So as an organization, that's incredibly important to us when we're asking people to support us financially. We want to show them that, yes, 90 cents of every dollar you give to the Children's Haven is going directly to our programs. And we have very little administrative cost because the work is so important and there's so much of it to do. 
Well, so if you're just joining us, I'm spending time with Marcy Smith. She's the executive director of Children's Haven. I love the notion that you feel like when you're giving, you're giving and you know, you have peace in knowing that this isn't just, you know, 10 cents out of every dollar is going toward it. And the rest of it is what? A boat. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying it. it's like there have been obviously lots of controversies, but I appreciate that you've been so transparent with your program. And yeah. That's very important. I think you've won some awards recently as well. <laughs> we have. Are uh, very proud of our our team. We were the 2020 nonprofit of the year for Cherokee County from the Chamber of Commerce, and our supervised visitation program actually won the 2020 Provider of the Year, and that is a national recognition out of 850 different supervised visitation providers. Congratulations! Thank you. Super proud of them. Our CASA program was recognized as Innovative Program of the Year from the Georgia CASA team. We have an incredible staff, but it operating at like the highest efficiency is our goal. We want to be very professional in how we work. We work with a lot of volunteers, but our team of staff members are exceptionally professional, and our board is very committed to telling our story and making sure that we are transparent and that people really trust in our mission and trust in how we operate. That's, I think, um, a big part of our success. Is it a challenge to balance your life? Because I, I would imagine myself being so emotionally invested, it would be really hard for me to not be thinking about it at like 11 o'clock at night or 2 in the morning. It is, but I think um, it definitely is. I, we, I'm a big advocate for self-care with our team. Um, our staff members are all mamas, and so we are all mamas first. We That's the most important thing, that we take care of our families first because we can't take care of other families well if we don't take care of ourselves and our own families first. So I try to preach that to my team, and that means that I have to also model that. And so sometimes I have to work harder to hold myself accountable, but um, other times I know that my work and my family life will overlap, like having my, my kindergartner join me for meetings. So <laughs> Yeah, we have a little extra um, member here, like hanging out and drawing some pictures. It's really cute. Yes, his first radio station. Oh, <laughs> well, that's awesome. You've been very good. So, how do you? So, your your boundaries kind of around the ways that you can kind of, um, uh, I guess, sort of feed your own soul during this. What are some of your? What are some of the things that you do that helped? So the the show is called Fearless Formula, and so I'm always thinking of things that people are, tend to be afraid of or are hesitant to do because they're not sure how it's going to come out. So what do you do that kind of keeps yourself in balance? Try to practice gratefulness a lot and recognizing um, maybe we tried something and it didn't work, but trying to look at the positives that did come from it, even if it's just a learning experience. Um, I think that helps to encourage myself, too. And um, we, you know, one thing that we did this year was we started the mentoring program. It was brand new. It was scary. We didn't have a lot of resources or capacity to start a new program, but the need was there. And um, our motto through this program development was progress, not perfection. And if we can do little bitty things and celebrate those little things, we finally got to the place and where we're standing back and looking at what look what we just built. And we jumped right in and we weren't afraid and we, you know, used each other's resources to um, really build it together as a team. And it was really cool to step back and, and look at what came from that. What are some of the changes that have happened since you've joined? Um, I know it used to be called 
Casa. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, just Casa. Yeah, so, but, but they changed it to Children's Haven not too long ago, I want to say. Yeah, 2015, our, our board really looked at our Casa program has been around 30 years as of next year and had really built a strong foundation in the community. We have great retention with our volunteers. We were serving children well and really looking at the other needs and knowing that there was a way for us to grow and develop to meet some of these other needs. So in 2015, we changed the name from CASA to the Children's Haven, and then CASA became a program under the Children's Haven. At that time, we also um, purchased a new building right across from Cherokee High School, and open the Wellstar Family Visitation Center. So those two programs I came into, they were running well and um, doing great and had really built a solid foundation for the organization. And I really wanted to look at, with our board and our strategic planning committee, the two programs that were running so well were addressing abuse and neglect after they had already happened, and how could we really bring our mission full circle and do some preventative efforts. So I've been there for four years, just super proud of the way the organization has grown. We have a fantastic team and we have two programs now that are addressing things on the preventative side. Um, and really we're seeing successes from that, which is telling us that that was a space we really needed to be in. How do you prevent? Because it's like almost predicting, right? So do you look at factors that? Yes. So, yes. And we really rely on our partners too. I think having strong community partnerships is the way that we can be successful in our mission. It, It is so necessary. So working with the school system and with DFACS, our Division of Family and Children's Services, to take referrals on families who come on their radar. We don't get to see those families in, in our position, but we have people in our community who are making those calls or having concerns and even sometimes self-referrals of families who just will voice, I need help. I really need help. And so having strong working relationships where we can get some solid referrals that's saying that these, these kids are safe in the home, but they need something to change. And um, working through that system has really helped us, I think, to be most impactful um, with our in-home parenting program where they're getting really intensive parenting once a week. And then with our mentoring program, the children who are currently in our mentoring program are involved with juvenile court because they have missed an absurd amount of school. And they're in middle school, and there are a lot of reasons that they don't want to go to school. And what we have seen through our mentoring program is that they're really just craving a connection with an adult who cares about them, who is not their parents, who's not a family member and not somebody in the school building. It's a different adult who asks them about their day, asks them about challenges. They also are all ears and want to know what's their favorite pizza and (laughs) what music do they like right now. And so just being able to talk to somebody who's there just for them, I think, has been encouraging. And they know that there's somebody else who's encouraging them to go to school and do their best. I like the fact that you encourage people to ask for help, because I think a lot of people consider that a weakness, you know, that there's something wrong with them if they can't handle it. Well, you know, we're seeing a lot of the families that have been in our parenting program love their kids so much. But they either didn't have um, the greatest role models of parents when they were growing up, and so they really are kind of uh, lacking some parent education that they just weren't exposed to, but they know that they want to be better and that they need help. And um, I'm, I think that we've come a long way in mental health where people are feeling more comfortable talking about their needs, and that's the story we want to tell, too. We want to say, advocate for yourself, ask for help when you need it, 
And then knowing that if someone is asking for help, it's our responsibility as a community to make sure we're directing them to resources so that they can really be connected with an organization um, or an individual who can help to meet that need. And I think that's how we build strong families and that's how we keep families together. What do you think, and I, this is a big question, what do you think is the most rewarding for you? You know, I I think in my position, we have staff members who do direct services and they work directly with our families. And I love getting to see their faces light up when they tell the story of a child who took their first steps in our visitation room or um, the child who has a 4.0. And, and I love to get to see that joy that it brings them through the direct services because they also see the heartbreak. And so we all celebrate that as a team. But in my role as executive director, I also get to see, I like to call it radical generosity and just... Oh, I love that term. People and businesses <laughs> in our community who just approach us without us soliciting, but they just come to us and they say, we want to help. How can we help? What can we give? Um, here's funding to help with this program, or here's a truckload of 1,300 diapers. I mean, to me, it's just, I, I feel very blessed and fortunate that I get to see those sides of people when you think the world is a, a doom and gloom place <laughs> <laughs> to know that there are so many good people in this world and especially in our community. We um, we are so rich with generosity in this community and people who truly care about their neighbors. I know it's so easy for me to see the dark side. It's <laughs> right. always go to the dark side first, but it is so heartwarming and encouraging to know that there are people that are willing to go outside of their own circle and, and look beyond the, their own immediate family to want to help just as um, from the pureness of their heart. Yes. And there's nothing in it for them. And I, so I just feel so lucky that I get to see that all the time. If there's someone that's listening that doesn't, um, has not ever considered really volunteering that way, what could you tell them? Really, there are a lot of different ways to volunteer. I think that, um, that some people jump in and they may not know how to give of themselves or what they're comfortable with. But I think that if you really think about how you want to spend your time and how much of your time you want to spend. And you can voice that to any organization. Uh, I feel confident that people can get plugged in and it might be that it's one time of year that, that you do something, but volunteering with a nonprofit to help vacuum and wash their windows and pull weeds helps them so much. And um, th that kind of service just on a one-off can really be truly impactful. I think people and I and just in small amounts that I've ever volunteered, it's it's all, uh, touched me in such a way that I feel like I can't explain it unless someone else has done it, too. And then you can talk about it. Right. But it's hard to describe the feeling. It's like a joy. Yes. You know, that, we like to say fills your cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fills my cup. That's a great one. Great way to say it. If you could make um, the perfect scenario as far as funds or volunteers or you know, like where you would like to be in even five years, what would you love to see happen if you could had all the power in the world? Yeah, I think, you know, we recognize that our team is really special. And as a director and with our board of directors, we want to take care of them. So knowing that they are professionals and they are exceptionally talented and well-educated, I always want to have enough funds to take care of them and know that they're not volunteering. They are, um, they are giving of their careers. This is what they've decided to do. Um, and looking at how we grow to provide additional services and take care of our people. Um, I think there's a big need for additional therapeutic services in our community. And so that's something that uh, we would love to be able to support more families with. I mean, like emotional um, 
those yeah. kinds. We, are, we have a supervised visitation program, but there's always a need to have therapeutic supervised visitation and add another layer of care for families when they, um, they truly need a little bit more. Um, we also are very fortunate that we have two staff members who are bilingual, and that's a growing need too. So as I look at, at who we're serving in our community, I really want to be mindful that um, we want to increase our services for our bilingual families um, who need support. And so that's something we have to look at as, as we grow in the future. Are there any needs that are sort of uh, specific to Cherokee County or are there are like if you were to compare a different county here in Georgia, how how do how does Cherokee County compare? You know, we are the seventh largest county in Georgia and we're the second fastest growing so oh, who knew that? I didn't know that statistic. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are shocked to find out that a few months ago when we were looking at how many kids are in foster care, Cherokee had the same number of kids in foster care as Fulton County did. And you think about how big Fulton is. Yes. Um, so those the, the changes in our population are going to affect our families. And I think as we also look at, at housing and um, employment and some things like that, we try to project and be prepared for the future and knowing that um, our work could change. We, we might need to be working harder as a nonprofit. We always say we'd love it if we went out of business because we fulfilled our mission <laughs> and nobody needed us. That would be a dream world. The dream. <laughs> that would be a dream world. But that's not the case. And um, us growing and expanding means that more people need our services. But we're honored to be able to do that. And we're only able to do it because of our community. And we have to be very realistic about projecting and knowing what that looks like in the future. So if people wanted to contact you in any way for any reason, how could they do that? What's the best place? Yeah. So our website is CherokeeChildrensHaven.org. We're also very active on social media, the Children's Haven on Facebook and Instagram. My email is Marcy with an IE at CherokeeChildrensHaven.org. And our office, um, our visitation program runs seven days a week, but we have standard office hours. And I think that we're fairly reachable. <laughs> You're findable. <laughs> we're findable, yes. Even on the social medias. Yes, absolutely. Get away from it. Well, Marcy Smith, I'm so grateful that you took some time today to come in and kind of highlight the wonderful work that you're doing, the meaningful work that you're doing. And I applaud um, your energy and effort. And I'm so excited to see where we're all going to go as, as you create such a huge positive impact on society. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to share more of our story. I really appreciated um, your great questions. Oh, what? Thanks, girl. <laughs> it's been my pleasure. <laughs> and thank you all out there for listening to Fearless formula on business radio x and this again is sharon klein reminding you that with knowledge and understanding we can all create our own fearless formula have a great day